Doctors this week. And check out Do In Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Six years I've been in prison. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things unfold. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know. It's been going for a while now. Hopefully, it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03-9419-8377. Hello and welcome to the Doin' Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. Today I have quite a few guests in the studio and I'll speak about that in a second but I just wanted to give a little bit of an outline first of all about what is coming up on the show. Uh, I'll be welcoming um, them on, on air soon but I wanted to introduce three, three wonderful people from Justice for Refugees and actually let, let's, let's um, introduce you first and their names are Zara, Mass and Hassan, welcome. And uh, Hassan, thank say hello. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hi, hi. Thank you very much. Really uh, appreciate for your support. Thank you. Yeah, and you're and you're all refugees. And Zara, yes, hello. And Mass, hi. But really, well, full name. What is it? Um, my full name is Masame. Masame. That's yeah. it. Beautiful. And um, we're going to be talking very soon and giving a report back. And that's the first item on the show. We're going to be giving a report back very soon about the rally that happened on Saturday. And these three guests came by boat. Um, and we're going to be speaking about visas and all sorts of things and talk about um, a rally that happened in the city. Um, and one of the demands is to repeal the fast track. And we're going to be talking a bit about that shortly. Then after that, we're going to be speaking with Latoya, um, who is... Um, an Aboriginal activist from Western Australia, her, uh, sorry, not Western Australia, from Adelaide, 
I beg your pardon, from South Australia. And she um, is going to be speaking about um, her brother, um, Wayne Feller Morrison, who died in custody in 2016. I'm hoping also to read out a statement from the Day family and to report on the inquest that has been happening into Tanya Day's death, who died in police custody. And I will be speaking with Latoya about that as well. I wanted to actually have her on to honour the family, but also to speak with her about deaths in custody in general. And then hopefully after that we're going to be speaking with DT, uh, who is um, an Indigenous activist who is one of the campaigners for the Sacred Trees. The Sacred Trees um, are in Ararat. They are birthing trees on women's country and women's business and Vic Roads want to desecrate them and take them off to build a highway. Um, and that's, we've done a lot of extensive work on that, interviewing on that. It's approximately 4.04 and we'll speak first with, um, with the, the three guests. But before we do, just a quote from the media release, Melbourne Rally, part of national refugee rallies for permanent visas, family reunions and fair processing. Refugee communities have come together to call national protests for permanent visas, family reunion rights and fair processing. And on Saturday, the 14th of September, there was a rally. And there's a quote here. We are calling on the Morrison Coalition Government to end discrimination and unfair treatment of asylum seekers living in Australia, reinstate a fair and thorough assessment process for appeal, for, with appeal rights. So let's start off with you, Zara. Yes. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and talk about what happened at the rally and whatever else you want to say? Yeah, uh, I came in here in 2013 with my family. First, we got the, in Christmas Island and they took us to the camp. Um, we stayed here for like one, one month and then they, they sent us to another camp and we stayed there for one month as well. And then we got up of the detention center, they sent us to the Melbourne, and then we had no right to study, but because we were <coughs> underage, we were like able to study. Uh, we had no right to get like to work. After that, after two years, they gave us right to work, but like because my family had a medical condition, we couldn't work. So after that, like I finished my year 12 in 2017, and I got graduated, but I could not be able to study. Uh, I got offer from Federation University in bachelors of nursing and midwifery, but because of my visa, I could not be able to do it so. And then I got to do a TAFE course in paramedics. And I'm just asking, like, the government to give us the right to study, like, to give us our visa, like, to go and see our family. Last year, I've lost my grandmother. She was waiting for us for almost six years. And, like, we could not see her. We just want to ask him, like, to give us visa so we can go and see them. And, like, to help us, all asylum seekers, to go and see our families, to study because we have great skills and we are, we can make an excellent contribution to this country. Like, there's many students who are asylum seekers and want to, and wants to get to the university, but they are not able to do so. Yeah. We, like, like my brother, he's like 
he wants to finish it like his study and to get to do lawyer, but he wa- he could not. So now he's at the hospital. He's stressed out. There's like lots of people in here that are stressed out from this situation. We just want a fair treatment from the government. That's all. You know that's that's true, and and I know that the three of you um, are, are all refugees, aren't you? Yeah, we are all refugees. And all of you came by boat. And one of the things that's quite evident with the coalition government is that they, um, Scott Morrison, actually made a statement a couple of weeks ago about the Tamil family. You know, when the Tamil family um, were being taken out of, they wanted yes. to deport them. Yes. And and the the government was saying that people that come by boat are not refugees. Now that's simply not true. No, no it's not true. And it's, 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 it must be re- very distressing, you know, for all of you. And I was listening to all your stories just before we, we came in. And Mass, I, I believe you want to be a teacher or a lawyer? Um, hello, yes. So at the start, when I came to Australia, I always had a dream to be a lawyer because that's what my family wanted me to do as well. But I couldn't because of all the things that they told me. And the, most importantly, it was because we did not have the right to study. As Zahra just mentioned, before we were 18, we yeah. were able to study because that's that was like something compulsory for us. But after that, we had so many dreams. Like me, myself, I had a dream to be a lawyer, but I couldn't. And... There was no such a pathway to do so, so I found another thing, which was becoming a teacher. So I had so much research about it, and then I realized I can be a teacher aide, which is, it's like close to a teacher, but like, you're not a teacher still. But I was like, yeah, I give it a go, because I love children, I love spending time with them, and I can be a good role model for them of course yep so i studied in the tafe and now i'm a teacher aide in the school and like it's something really i don't know how to explain that but like what i see in the school every day they teach kids to um stop discriminating and respect refugees but i don't really see that outside the school environment in real life because with us, like with 30,000 of us, it's not only me and my family, it's like 30,000 people. We, it, it was a big discrimination against us from the time we came here. Before that, there was no attempt such as asylum seeker, but like from the time we came to Australia, we were not known as refugees. Wherever we go, like to study, to anything, they will call us asylum seeker or people seeking asylum, I which see. is, yeah, yeah. Which I think we should be called refugees. We have the right to be a refugee because even the thing, the most important thing in life, like we put our life in a big danger because we had to run away from our countries because of either war or persecution or anything like that. Our countries were not safe anymore for us to live there. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, Listening to both you and Zara speaking, I mean, when I first saw you, I said, you're refugees. I didn't say asylum seeker, I don't think. And I think that one of the things that I 
when we were speaking off air, I think you were going to Christmas. You had been to Christmas Island, both of you, hadn't yes. you? Yes. Before you got here, yeah. and Hassan, I believe you went to Curtin, didn't you? Yeah, that's correct. Um, um, yeah. yeah. So all of you have have experienced the brutalities of yeah. Christmas Island and True. violations yeah. of human rights. And from what I can gather, um, you know, all of you as a young, you're wanting to do, you've got dreams, and you're becoming useful members of the community. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's incredibly difficult, isn't it? But yeah, I believe there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm sure that I think things are going to work out. And, and Hassan, what about you? I know you said you didn't want to talk. But. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't really say that. I'm just, oh, I'm thank, just joking. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're um, very good at your English, so don't, thank you so much. don't worry. Yeah, so what visa are you on, Hassan? Uh, now I am a chef visa. So this is visa. Uh, they're giving me five years, and I have to stay for um, the countryside. So before everything, I would like to thank you first. And thank every Australian people. If anyone live for this nice land to and supporting us and seriously we really appreciate for the last rally for everyone supporting us. Um, it's very difficult. Today we have so many issues. Today we have a lot a lot a lot of family yeah. they are struggling with their life. So when we came, firstly, I'm going to talk, uh, always I said I don't like to talk about myself, but I have to explain that. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I born in Kuwait as a t- uh, stateless, so I don't have citizens for my country. And we don't have any rights there because this is why I against the government by protest, same like what we did last week. Because this is why... Um, the Kuwait government, they put me in the jail 40 days. And this is what I mentioned before. Um, because they not give me the citizen, so I don't have any passport. I don't have any even drive license there. Because that's why I have to come by boat for Australia. Because when I come for Australia for the kind mom, to just I can have, you know, a fair with, with the refugee and I want the, the, my life is going to be safe. Yeah. So when I arrived here in uh, 2012, so when I get in the community uh, for the Brisbane, first thing they give me the visa is called subclass 050. <clears throat> this means you're not allowed to study, you're not allowed to work, and you have to sign for the behavior. Behavior, this means if you... Even if you have fine for the traffic or anything, you have to go back uh, for uh, the detention center. Okay. So after that, I just stayed two years without any work. So it's my uh, situation was very, very difficult. Even I was homeless because I can't support, you know, I don't have any support. I can't study. I can't work. I can't do anything. And now? Uh, after two years, they uh, give the right to work. After that, I start working. Now I am self-employer, so I'm working and I'm taxpayer. 
Fantastic. Yeah. So, sorry, we've got about six minutes left, but yeah. um, you'll be coming back to speak in a sec, Hassan. Yeah. Um, but that's wonderful. But, but it's wonderful, but it's not wonderful because you've still got a long way to go. You're still not able to, to have that permanent visa yet. True. And Zara and Mass, I, I don't think you've got the visa that Hassan's got, have you? No. no. You're on the bridging visa, aren't you? Yes. yes. So Chev visa means safe havener. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound like a safe haven to me, but anyway. Safe actually. But um, just to give a quick report back of the rally, though, and I believe, who was the speaker? The, the, you were, weren't you one of the speakers? Yes. Mass? Yeah. Yep. I was the main speaker who started the rally. At the State Library on Saturday? Yep. Yes. And um, it was, I was really shocked because, like, a huge crowd of people came to that day. I thought it's only going to be like about maybe hundreds of people, but like I saw a thousand and thousand. And after the show, after the rally, I watched for Sydney, Perth, Brisbane. It was the same thing, like a huge crowd of people yep. in all the cities of Australia. National. Yep. Yeah, and like there were not only refugees, there were also like people who are like with Australian background. And beside that, there was um, people who are really important to the country, well-known, like Jet Carney, who is the Labour MP, Richard Di Natale, who is the Green Leader, and also Hakim Al-Arabi, who is the Australian footballer, and he had a talk to Mr. Morrison about his visa as well. That's good, isn't it? Yes, so they all came, they all... We appreciated. They had a very good talk that day. Yeah, there were so many channels who came there, record us, record the rally. But I was shocked because I've been waiting two days now and nothing, nothing. I haven't seen anything on any channel. I've been going up and down the channels to see if I can see all the people who did the protest and stuff. But nah. You know, it's it's very difficult, and well, at least you've got something here. Um, but just to quickly read out some of the demands, and I started to read those just so that people know, end criminalisation and unfair treatment of asylum seekers, well, they call them asylum seekers, but that's okay, yeah. living in Australia, reinstate a fair and thorough assessment process with appeal rights, permanent protection visas for all those recognised as refugees, allow family reunion rights, uh, and those are some of the demands. So pretty soon, we've got about two minutes before we get into our next interview. Um, hoping, hopefully you three can stick around and we can talk a little bit more afterwards. Is that okay? Yeah. Yes. Okay, thank you. So um, because I want, a, I want a chance to be able to speak about justice for, for refugees as well. And um, who organised the rally? The Refugee Action Collective? Yeah. Um, Hassan is the organiser who is just oh, with wonderful. us today. He's one okay. of them for our city, for Melbourne. But there are other people for Sydney, for Brisbane, for Perth oh, who okay. are also working with him. Fantastic. So next up on the show, we're going to be speaking hopefully with um, Latoya, who is um, a very strong Aboriginal woman and Indigenous activist who will speak generally about deaths in custody and... Um, and hopefully we will be able to speak a little bit about um, the inquest of Tanya Day as well. I will be interviewing a lot of other people about this, and she's the first one that's going to kick off the the commentary, and we'll talk about that 
pretty soon. So stay stand by, um, the three of you, and we'll talk again soon. I'll just put on an announcement. Thank you. Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japarung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japarung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarung traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarung country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. And you're back with the Doing Time show, and we're speaking now with Latoya. Hello, Latoya. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. How are you going? Yeah, yeah, not bad. Not bad. In fact, um, with me at the moment, um, I also have three um, refugees as well who, um, who are in the oh, studio yeah. too. So um, yeah. that's I've got Zara, um, I've got Mass, and I've got Hassan. Oh, hello to all of you. Hello. Hello. So, Latoya, we we were speaking off air uh, basically the other day, just about Aboriginal deaths in custody, and I was just mentioning on the show that I was going to start off um, commentary about the inquest um, of Tanya Day. And I believe yeah. you were there for some of that. And I also mentioned as well that, um, and, and my condolences still, because you never get over something like this, that, that um, your brother also died in custody as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. What, let, let me hear some of your, because um, all this is public. That we, we can't, you know, all the, trans, all the stuff's public in court. What were your um, insights of, uh, I mean, what, what did you feel about the inquest? You know, um, my own brother's inquest has been on hiatus a little bit yeah. for a little bit. It's been stalled for a little while now, um, and so I haven't sat in for a few months. But going back to an inquest, just generally, when we're discussing anybody's death, is yeah. quite depressing and quite serious. And so, going into an Aboriginal woman's death, particularly, um, yeah, it was very heavy. Um, a lot of the people, I guess we'll start from the first day. Yeah. Um, we met up at where Camp Sovereignty used to be in Melbourne. I, it's on a hill. I forget where that's actually called. But it Domain. was a place of the main. Yeah. yeah. It was a place of Camp Sovereignty, which was really symbolic um, to meet there. And we had a smoking ceremony and said a few words, a few of us, um, with the media there. And then we all walked down together as a united front down to the court. That was late August? Yep. Yeah, yep, late August. Um, Heading into that space with everybody was just, yeah, it was very powerful. Um, But, you know, of course, ending up at the court, we have to all go through security. And so I think, you know, when we're thinking about surveillance, um, moving into that place in and out, our bodies were largely surveilled in many ways um, and so that kind of set the scene for what we would have experienced inside court inside the coroner's court um, yeah heading in you know there are a lot of supporters on both sides 
our side was on the left, is the family behind the family, um, and the police side was on the right. Um, their side was full majority of the week and a half that I was there for the inquest. Our side was also full, um, with an overflow room as well, people to be able to see on the TV, you know, for mm-hmm. young children and stuff like that. Um, and in both rooms, yeah, it was just really heavy, really, really heavy having to watch the proceedings, having to particularly watch police laugh and joke about the circumstances surrounding Annie's having Day's death. Um, there was kind of... It wasn't that they were just making fun of the death straight out necessarily, but there was banter going on. Um, yeah, you I know, heard about that. There's just an insensitivity when it's around somebody's death. You know, you've got... Annie Tanya Day's family sitting on the front, her children sitting on the front, um, on the front seats there. And, you know, every single day, majority of the police officers actually said, when questioned by Morrissey, the family's lawyer, if they would have done anything differently, uh, majority of them said that they wouldn't have. Correct. So that was quite shocking. shocking. Yeah, it was just, it was just sad. It was just a sad time, to be honest. It, it is very sad. And just in case listeners have tuned in, this is the Doing Time show. And just wanted to set the scene here. In, two, in December 2017, 55-year-old Yorta Yorta grandmother Tanya Day was arrested for public drunkenness in Castle, Maine. 17 days later, she died from a traumatic brain injury suffered when she fell in a police cell. And Latoya, it's been more than three de- decades ago, isn't it, that the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody exposed the vile treatment of, in, of Aboriginal people in the justice system? Yeah, absolutely. It's been, yeah, since 1991. Um, and majority of those recommendations are still yet to be um, implicated. They're still yet to be, you know, heard, I guess, and, and put into our state um, processes and procedures of police and corrections officers. And that's one of the downfalls, I think, of where we're at with Aboriginal deaths in custody, that majority of these deaths, particularly around public drunkenness that we see time and time again, this is all, you know, research. This all had money poured into it um, over the years. And, yeah, it's still one of the main causes of Aboriginal deaths in custody, really punitive measures against Aboriginal people. Extremely punitive. And for the first time in Australia... This inquest um, into um, Auntie Tanya is examining the role played by systemic racism. Mm. Yeah, I think it's such an incredible feat that the lawyers and the family have taken on uh, and one that can greatly impact our own case, you know, and the cases of many people because, again, it's, it's easy. In my own research, just this year in my honours thesis, I systemically traced uh, the implications of the colonial project on the death and custody of Miss Jew and a little bit of my own brother's death and just looking at the way that we've been constructed and the systemic links going back to 1788 and the policies and procedures that existed there. You know, not much has changed. Um, Indeed it hasn't. We're still being told where we can move. We're still being told how we have to conduct ourselves and what we are to say in public. Um, and we're still being criminalised in terms of, you know, our access to resources, how we choose 
you know, how we choose to conduct ourselves in public. Like, only Tanya Day was literally asleep, allegedly asleep on a train. Um, but that's an offence to the coloniser because that's an Aboriginal woman conducting her, you know, being a sovereign person in public, you know, and, and choosing, I guess, falling asleep where she wished. I mean, symbolically, that's actually a huge movement of resistance if we want to really think about that, what it means to actually stop and sit and find rest uh, where we want on, on Aboriginal land. Absolutely, and yet V-Line um, was saying that she was unruly, unruly. Yeah, that term was such a disgusting one. It, it is a disgusting one that's being used against Tanya and many people, the way the police um, identified what unruly even is. I mean, majority of the people I could walk outside in Adelaide right now and under those definitions find a lot of unruly people and maybe majority of those might be white people drinking at the local pub tonight, you know, and so um, they're not being arrested for their rowdy behaviour. So, exactly. You know, What's happening... Yeah. So your brother's inquest is at an impasse at the moment. What's happening? Is it culturally... Yeah. Culturally, is it okay to mention his name, Latoya? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Family okay so his full name, name please? Salem. Wayne Feller Morrison. So yeah, Wayne Feller Morrison, um, what, what's happening with... Th- there's no inquest at the moment? Uh, so it's, it's actually the current, uh, corrections officers, rather, 19 of them um, are taking... So earlier on in the year, the coroner was asked by the corrections officers' lawyers to recuse herself, to step down from the case. Right. As they're, you know, alleging that um, she has an interest or a bias. Um, that's not on our family side. We've actually said that no, we want the coroner to stay. We want this inquest to, you know, run its course. It's been three years since Wayne died on the 26th of this month, so next week. It is and true. And it's been a whole year. Yeah, it's been a whole year since the actual inquest has been going as well. So I'm so glad yeah. that I was able to get you on before the anniversary. Yeah, thank you. Um, I do appreciate it. But, um, yeah, in saying that, you know, we we don't want the coroner to step down because of this length of time, you know, that we've been we've been speaking, you and I particularly, over that time, and it's, it's, it's a long time running yes. and it's tiring. Um, and you're not able to grieve properly, really, ever, but not knowing what happened to Wayne, particularly in that van with the seven officers, is really concerning. So, unfortunately, the corrections officers have taken the coroner are taking the coroner and the Attorney General to the Supreme Court as they um, don't feel that she's carried herself well in court and has also obscured, um, potentially obscured the the right that they have, the legal right to against self-incrimination. So, making the corrections officers attend court, the inc- you know the coronial inquest. This is not a criminal court. This is a you know, investigating the cause of death of my brother. Um, apparently, that that's, you know, too much for them to do. And, mm, yeah, really... they, they don't even want to attend. They don't even want to show up and, and see our faces. So, so there's so, been no inquest at all? There has been. Oh, no, there was um, an inquest, but, but nothing they... happened. Nothing changed. Uh, so the inquest is on a break at the moment. Essentially, okay. for this Supreme Court case to run its course. So that will be in November... 26 to 28, we do want people to come over and, and cover our story and support our case. So it would be great if people would consider that um, because this is one of the first times 
it's not the first time I haven't done my background research, but, you know, an Aboriginal death in custody to go to the Supreme Court so that corrections don't actually have to show up to give evidence on what happened wow. to those who were the last people to listen and see Wayne when he was still alive. Um, you know, that goes against the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Death and Custody recommendation about having, you know, initiating inquest at all. You know, why would we have an inquest at all then if not for this report? And what does it mean for the corrections to wield power um, to say that those recommendations that came from that huge report um, and that huge investigation into Aboriginal deaths and lives, you know, that that's really rendered invisible and doesn't matter. There's no date set yet, is there? Um, yeah, so November 26th to the 28th of this year will be the Supreme Court case. So November the 26th to the 28th is yep. the inquest um, into Wayne Fallon Morrison at the Supreme Court in Adelaide, so if people can start rocking up to that. And just so that listeners are aware, and I, I have done this, um, spoken with Latoya but it's always good to keep repeating, repeating. Wayne Fallon Morrison died in custody on 26 September 2016 from, um, well, basically we don't know why, but it included a spit hood and restraint. He died of suffocation. And he was a 29-year-old father, a fisherman and an artist. And he'd been on remand, hadn't he, for six days prior to his death and he spent three days on life support in the intensive yeah. care unit of the Royal Adelaide Hospital in South Australia. Is that right, LaToya? That's right. And, they and he'd were never over... been in trouble with the law? No, and there were over 14 corrections officers as people might have seen in the media. There's a video of him that's been posted. You know, the coroner's released that earlier on um, in his restraint, and there's over 14 corrections officers who have been um, part of that restraint process, process, and then another seven in the van uh, that we don't know what happened at all to him, who, you know, again, um, haven't given evidence in court or, yeah, at all. Yeah, so let's let's see if we can get to that inquest. And, and you know, it would have... It's a domino effect, isn't it, Latoya? Your brother passed away in custody. You went and supported Arnie Tanya and her family here in Melbourne. Um, there are lots and lots. Miss Dew has, has died in custody. And it, it just... The list goes on and on. It does, but you know what? Like, the empowerment that I felt also in that inquest, as sad as it was, to see all the community members come, to see elders um, give a statement at the beginning of the inquest to, to yarn about who Anitani Day was as a sovereign woman, what that meant for our community and the work that she done in standing up against Aboriginal deaths in custody. Like, that's the power of why we keep getting up and doing what we do. That's right. Um, I know that that's going to grow. And so, yeah, we have to remember that as much resistance as we face, you know, we continually get up every day and continue that, our, you know, outside of our resistance. And, yeah, it's ongoing. It's an ongoing fight, but we're building it more and more. Absolutely. And we, we're going to have to um, finish soon because we're going to be speaking... Um, with Zara and her friends um, here pretty soon again. But Beautiful. our solidarity does extend, doesn't it, to, to the refugees who, who are really... The government has no right to not welcome them in the country. They're not even Aboriginal. That's right. On whose behalf are they welcoming anybody, really, you know? And, yeah, all my solidarity and love to, um, yeah, all refugees as well who acknowledge and, and you know, have relationships 
um, built on trust and respect with Aboriginal people as well. You know, the respect goes both ways. I'm hoping to have um, Hassan, Zara and Mass here um, more often to see what we can do. But Latoya, I know I'm, I'm kind of pushing it a bit here because we've got our next interview, but I did want to just quickly say to you um, how in 2015, I believe you posted a video to the ABC's Q&A television program calling on the Australian government to respond to the pressing issue of Aboriginal deaths in custody over symbolic reform. Did that video ever go to air? It didn't. Um, what? That was, that was a question. No, um, you know, a lot of people up- upload their questions to Q&A. I've since been on Q&A two or three times now, so it's okay. Right. But, good, good. But um, it was just funny that that... Well, it's not funny at all. It's tragic that I posted that and now I don't rely on the government at all. Hey, I rely on our community-led and global-built movements against prisons and police and colonisation, really. Absolutely. Latoya, thank you so much for for coming onto the program. It was lovely to have you. Yep. You there? Yep, thanks for having me. (laughs) No, it's all good. And um, I'll spread the word um, on the show about the November Supreme Court... um, Inquest. Deadly. Thank you so much. All my love. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye, Del. Bye-bye. And that was Latoya um, speaking about Aboriginal deaths in custody and Miss uh, Auntie Tanya Day. And how? what did you three think of that? We are just really sorry to hear that, but, you know, I only thought it's only us, but... It's like their land and they don't have the right to do whatever they want. I'm really sorry to hear that. It's, it's awful. And they had all this footage too, how she fell yeah. over in the cell. It was, it was just terrible at that inquest. I was it's there just sad. for yeah. five days. Um, it is sad. So we're going to be speaking pretty soon with um, DT about the sacred trees. And then I'm hoping we're going to have a li- just a little bit more time just for the three of you to say some final words. But really... I hope it's okay. That, I hope it's you know, you know uncomfortable about being here because I've invited you for the whole show to honour you all. So I hope that's okay. No, thank you thank for you. having us here today. Yeah, no, it's all good. So I think I'm going to put on an announcement now, and uh, and and we'll go from there uh, in a sec. So, but in the meantime, here we go. Oh, where are we? <laughs> Okay. Victoria's roadside drug testing program is not about road safety. In last year's governmental inquiry into drug law reform, it was noted that Victoria's RDT program is falling behind on latest evidence regarding impairment. Currently, Victoria Police can charge people for detection of either cannabis, amphetamines or MDMA. But those detections do not correlate with impairment. Impaired drivers should be removed from the roads and that's why we're urging an inquiry into Victoria's RDT scheme to ensure that the resources that are currently employed to make our roads safer are being properly used to make our roads safer. Help us refocus road safety onto what makes roads safe. Sign the e-petition parliament.vic.gov.au forward slash council forward slash petitions. And look for the Inquiry into Drug Driving Reform, Petition 117. A 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time Show. And we still have um, 
Zara and Mas and Hassan here. So you all had dreams, and we were talking before about how um, it's important to be able to um, repeal the fast track. Um, what does that mean? Can someone talk about that? Um, about the fast track. So before 2014, whoever came to Australia by boat, just like we did, like 90% of them were accepted as refugees and were given um, permanent protection visas. But from 2014, they just implemented a new law, which was called Fast Track. So this Fast Track um, tells you if you are married to someone who is even an Australian citizen, you are not eligible to be an Australian citizen. If your children are born here, they are not required to be a citizenship. Um, if you live in Australia, even for more than like, I think it's been like seven years for us, like even more than that, you cannot um, register for like permanent protection. You can't apply for that. And you have to stay on the three-year visa or the five-year visa, and this visa will be continued on and on and on. And even So, there, so there's no um, permanency? No. There's no permanency? No. And, and that's, this is Zara speaking, isn't it? Um, that's Mass. Mass, sorry? Yes. Mass. Yeah. Right. But you're all young. You're, you're, that's the yeah. thing. Like you've got, you've got your, all your lives ahead of you, and yet there's no True. permanency... And there's no stability. And yeah, as like so many people say, we're not sure which land are we stepping in. Are we going to stay here? Are we going to be deported? Like, And more, most importantly, we cannot be deported to our countries because like, we ran away from there. Absolutely. It's not safe for us to go back. But like how Tamil family did, they, they were rejected twice and like they said the third rejection means you will be deported back to your unsafe places see that that that's appalling and i'm hoping that you know that you three and all refugees you know get the support that you need and it's it's very difficult with this government i'm going to put in another announcement and we're going to see what's happening with dt most LGBTIQ people experience positive, intimate and family relationships. However, like cisgendered heterosexual people, some LGBTIQ people experience abuse and violence in their relationships. With Respect is a new family violence service for LGBTIQ plus Victorians, providing counselling and recovery programs for victims and survivors of family violence and help for people using violence who want to stop. With Respect is a partnership between queer Space, Thorn Harbour Health, Switchboard Victoria and Transgender Victoria. For more information, visit withrespect.org.au or call 1-800-542-847. With Respect is not a crisis service. If you need immediate help, call 000. A 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And we're going to be speaking now with DT. And DT is um, a fantastic Indigenous campaigner. Um, who is actually, as we speak, down at the um, protecting the sacred trees um, up near Ararat. Hello, DT. Welcome to the program. Hello, sister. How are you going? Oh, it's, it's great to have you have you again in the studio with me, DT. I also have um, three refugees, Mass, Zara, and Hassan from Justice for Refugees. 
Hello, brothers and sisters. How are you? Hello, Hello. How are you, mate? So, DT, tell us what's been going on. Any any new updates with the sacred with the protection of the sacred trees? Have the, have the has the eviction notice happened yet? Um, we're still here. Yeah. Um, we uh, haven't had a mediation process as yet. Um, I think that's coming up this week at some point. But I think the lawyers and whatnot are dealing with that sort of situation. Um, and. Yeah, well, we, we're just still here on the land and still um, yeah, still continuing this process. And it is a very frustrating process, isn't it? Because these are women's trees and some of them are birthing trees. And I, I just worry, DT, I'm wondering, um, because Vic Rhodes has now said that there's a go-ahead, but also isn't there also um, an, still an opportunity to stop it? Yeah, there's still many opportunities. There's always opportunity. Even when there's not opportunity, there's always opportunity. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of being able to change those um, mindsets, you know, in order to be able to, those who are making decisions uh, about, you know, continuating the decimation, who are not culturally competent and who are not um, on, on country and who are not um, uh, representative of, of their people, um, well then, if the people are standing there and, and saying this is not, this is not, you know, this is not how it works, um, well then, there's, there's always opportunity to be able to change those mindsets. It's just a matter of how we how we continue to do that process. And right now, we're doing that through through the the I guess the the the, the spirit at this point in time. The spirit and also with the, the campaigning and, you know, you've had a lot of support there, which is really good. And yeah, well, well, with the spirit comes, you know, comes all the campaigning, comes all the yep, support, absolutely. comes all the brothers and sisters all wanting to 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 continuate the movement. It's, um, you know, and we have a place here where it's it's not um, the white white influence that we need in our lives, so please don't come here to do that. No. It's, it's really, uh, uh, you're coming into a space where you really need to be blackwashed in a way where, where we, are, we, we have indifferences and our indifferences are, are due to our cultural basis and our cultural sensitivity, which is, um, which, when you come from a space you come from, you're coming from a Westminster world a Westminster system, which has categorically trained, trained you the way it, it sees fit, which was has always been against our culture, and so that's where you know, we make people have the awareness that you know when you do get in trouble, it's, it's only because you, you're not aware of what's going on and you're not aware of the, of the laws and, and 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 the code that we live by and the duty, um, and we're trying to teach. So the only way you know you really learn is to hang around, um, be prepared to you know to get told off. And whatnot, yep. but also be prepared to, to you know, to, to continue um, stepping into to your obligation. Also, now that now that you call this country home, um, yeah, you have an obligation to your first peoples and and their law of their land. Um, no trees, no trees. And that's and that's correct. And that's and that's that's where we're at. We're in a we're in a place where the government um, is, is in a relationship, a really ugly relationship, a really toxic. Um, uh, what we call a uh, domestic violence relationship with our women um, here, and this affects you know you affect one set of women, you affect all women, 
and so women all over the all over the country, all over the world, are standing up as well as as well as those who truly, uh, as men who truly know what honour on what the honourable thing to do is, is is and what our law is based upon. Um, within anywhere you go, it's men's law is based upon um, you know supporting the decision making from our our, our our matriarchs and and our women leaders and who are culturally competent and who who at the end of the day say no to this con- to no consent to to this whole situation coming about. That's right, DT. And I'm really uh, we're nearing the end of our show, but I wanted to have you on um, just to get a you know just to get a bit of an update. I want to have you on for longer next time because it's been really packed today because I've been covering Aunty Tanya Day's inquest as well. Um, yeah. But and, and that's, you say that's that's another thing, you know. Like yeah. we, in the principle of what we stand for, attack on women, you know, that's also we also stand for 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 that mob as well. Um, we wholeheartedly support that mob. We we went and marched to that mob and you did. to show yeah. our support the other week. Yeah, there was a rally in the city, and you um, went and to we the just, court too. We want yeah. to let it be known also that we support um, our Tamil, the, the Tamil family also. We we support them in what what they're going through. Absolutely. Um, and what their children are going through. We, we want to let that be known. We also let it be known that we 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 are supporting our Manukia brothers and sisters over in Hawaii. Um, and we're also supporting our Aotearoha brothers, uh, brothers and sisters over in in um, Ihu Mateo at the moment, also within their situation. Um, and it's and, and and the movement is continuing to to grow within the spirit of the connection around the world, not just around the country. So, DT, yeah. thank you so much for coming on to the program, and I'm really hoping that you know there can be a resolution soon about this, and that the trees will be protected. And I'll be yeah. keeping a close eye on it. Thank you, my sister. Take care now. Thanks, brother. Bye. Thanks. Bye. And that was DT, Indigenous campaigner, speaking from the sacred trees. And the sad thing is that there is a cheaper option to be able to um, that highway. You can actually make a highway without um, smashing those trees down. And the government just doesn't want to look at that. Pretty soon, um, with the three of you, we're going to be having a few final comments, but just wanted to quickly read out the statement from the family of Tanya Day that uh, they said at the end of the inquest at a media conference, 13th December 2019, statement of the family of Auntie Tanya Day. This is public knowledge. It's actually on all media. We just gave evidence in a coronial inquest into our mother's death and police custody. No children should have to do this. Our mum should never have been subject to racial discrimination and denied her dignity and right to life. Uh, this process has been painful, gruelling and extremely traumatic for our family and our community. We've heard the evidence from Victoria Police, Ambulance Victoria and V-Line. Victoria Police have repeatedly said that nothing has changed and no review has happened as a result of Mum's death. We find this deeply offensive. Victoria Police must take responsibility for Aboriginal people dying in their custody. It is clear to us that the investigation into our Mum's death has been flawed and inadequate. This is because police could not be investigating police. We have had a coronial investigation, but what we now want is a criminal investigation. We want to know whether the police who should have cared for mum committed an offence in denying mum her dignity and ultimately her life. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters. We want to thank um, Emma Matheson, Sarah Holland and Michael Stevenson from Ambulance Victoria for their truthful evidence and heartfelt apologies. We note that V-Line has not apologised for the role their conduct played in our mum's death. 
We note the Victoria Police has not apologised to us or the Aboriginal community for Aboriginal deaths in custody or failing their duty of care for our mum. We want to acknowledge the Victorian Government's commitment to repealing the offence of public drunkenness, but now we need action. We need this dangerous offence to be repealed so that no other Aboriginal people die in custody. And there's a little bit of... um, about their mum and they say that their mum was a proud yorta yorta grandmother, grandmother, auntie and activist. She was passionate about her family community and she is missed every single day. She had so much more love and life to give. And it ends, our mother Tanya can never can be and will, never will be defined by what was done to her. To cause her death in police custody, Tanya Day will also never be confined or defined by this coronial process. And it's been so great to have you three um, what, any final comments that any of you want to make? What can the Australian community do to help? We just need your endless support as you, most of you have done before. We just need endless support. We need you to have our back. If you can, send an email to the MP and ask them for the change of this law for stopping the discrimination against us asylum seekers and I would like to also thank ASRC Refugee Action and Refugee Advocacy Networks. Thanks for their endless support, and we just send our love to them. Thanks. That's really lovely. And Justice for Refugees, that's that's a, another collective that you're, you're all in, is it? Yes. We are all in the Justice for Refugee Action, and... We are trying our best to save 30,000 asylum seekers who are in our situation. You know, on the day of the rally, I forgot to mention that there was a guy who came in and everyone thought, oh, he's mentally, he has like, I don't know, mental issues and stuff. But at the end, when we just waited there, he spread everything on the floor. He had like documents on his hand. He spread them on the floor. He just say um he was looking at the photo of her his daughter and he was saying i miss my daughter i haven't seen my daughter for seven years now or maybe more and there are like more people like him that i have met on the rally and there are more people who could not make it that day but they, we are all in the same situation and there are more worse situation than that and yeah it's really important what about you hassan Firstly, thank you very much for uh, inviting us today. Um, every day I receive a lot of calls from the refugees, people who don't have any support, they don't have any payment, they don't, have, they don't know how to live, not any Medicare. And actually, I, I, my friend, I, lo- I lost my friend before four months. Actually, my friend, he's... He's died by a cancer, but the issue is because they reject him and they take the Medicare from him. There. And, mm. yeah, after that, he tried to pay for his, you know, the treatment for the cancer. is very expensive if you, don't, if you don't have the Medicare. After that, the Red Cross just once, they pay for him one time. After that, the, the twice, he's paid from his, you know, he's borrowing money and stuff. After that, he can't... Um, pay the money and no one support him and after that he's die. So today we are talking about 30,000 people, they struggling, they have a lot of issue. So we ask Absolutely. everyone, for anyone living for this nice country to supporting us and 
put pressure for the MBs to change this, you know, discrimination law because seriously, we're suffering seven years. It's, I'll, I'll be honest, we can't explain all this issue for seven or eight years pass for one hour. We have a lot of issue. Yesterday was someone he told me, Hassan, I don't have food to eat because the, I don't have any payment. No have, payments, yeah. No payment because they reject him and because they reject him and a lot of, a lot of people, we have a lot of issue. And there are lots and lots of issues, and yeah. I'm wondering if the three of you would 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 enjoy would like to come back. Absolutely. Um, sure. Perhaps we can organise something in the next couple of weeks. Sure. Hassan, you've got my number. Yeah, I yeah, got your number. We can work that out. Yeah, sure. Now, Zara, did you want to say a few words? Yeah, uh, we're here to speak for our rights. Um, like we are just hoping to repeal this fast track, and we're hoping that the government changes the decision. Because we are in a midpoint and we don't know, like, if we are staying here or they are deporting us back, we have no future and no legal rights. Like, there's many people who are worried about their future, who are worried about their parents, who are worried about their children's future. Like, we just want Australia to be by our sides to support us so we can get, like, our visa. There's lots of people who are who are like homeless, who don't have anything to eat, that's who don't right. have any future. Yeah, because they don't have any like to. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And and this these are like, you know, isn't it interesting? Because there's such an important connection here. Your refugees here, and you're, you're getting substandard treatment. And Aboriginal people are also refugees in their own country. Yeah, oh. it's stolen it's, land. It's stolen land. It's all of you three have had your, your rights stolen. All refugees have had their rights stolen. And, you know, I'm thinking that it's really important to share this information. And I'm looking very much looking forward to spending more time with you all on air. Thank you very much. Well, it's goodbye from Marissa and um, goodbye from Zara. You say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and, goodbye. And? Hassan. Hassan. Goodbye. Thank you very Clearer. much. Clearer. Louder, Hassan. Hassan, thank you very much. I'm really over shit for everything. We all need to have a voice, don't we? And, ha- and have a very loud voice. Exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. And this is... Go on. Yeah, I'm sorry. So th- this is what I'm saying. We're going to continue. We're going to ask for our rights. We're never going to give up. No, we're not going to go away. We're going to continue. And even if the, all the channels, they're not put to our protest, I don't know what's going on with them. But we're going to continue to do that until we come all the 30,000 people for asking for our rights. We have to end the first strike. Absolutely. So it's Beyond Zero up next, and it's goodbye to everybody, including our prisoners and people in detention. Stay together. Stay safe.
wanna sky. 